today's scripture is Genesis 1, 26 through 31, and Genesis 2, verses 15 through 17. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the er all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the, ooh. Let me read it off this. <laughs> so God created man in the, his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over living, every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. <laughs> I might have given you the wrong text. We're good. Actually, um, we will reference the Genesis 2 text today, but just for the sake of time, I thought, Let's just focus here today. Um, you guys like my little band, right? I'm glad my wife um, mentioned this walk for life that uh, the team from our church went. And um, for any and all of you who, who gave, thank you. And uh, I, I want to just give a little attention to this uh, walk for life band and that effort that's in our city. Um, it's very actually relevant for today's message. Um, I wasn't... You know, I'm not clever enough to try to like time it that way, but it's very relevant to today's message. We're talking today about dominion, how God gave us dominion over creation, and then we're talking about this portion that is be fruitful and multiply. That's what we're focusing on today, and it's a serious problem. It's a very serious problem in our culture. Um, we don't really want to be fruitful nor multiply. And increasingly, children are not desired, and they're not even liked. <laughs> and, um, you know, this is, a, this is a, a touchy subject in our culture um, for many different reasons. Um, but um, anyway, I hope you will like one of these. <laughs> and while I was uh, doing this walk yesterday, I was thinking, let's do this every year. <laughs> let's do this every year. And um, so our, our team, I think, at least according to the website, we, we, we raised almost $1,900. So that's, that's pretty good. We can give a hand for that. Um, uh, so, but according to all the teams, we, we ranked 21st, okay? Uh, so I, I'm kind of competitive, guys. I, I would like to be a little higher next year, okay? So like, like, let me just put that little seed in your head, and uh, maybe we can uh, do even better next year, okay? Let's get into today's message, being fruitful and desiring children. Part one, the garden of children and families. The garden of children and families. Part two, 
The spirit of your heart before God. The spirit of your heart before God. I want to ask you to think about this. And just maybe before we get to this, this is a, a, a dicey, touchy subject. It's not like I woke up today and said, yes, I can't wait to preach this. Okay? Um, there, I'm going to say things, and it's going to maybe touch a nerve for some of you. And some of you are going to go, but, but wait a second, I'm not in that category. Does that mean I'm bad? Okay? And, um, hey, our church is filled with grace, the grace of God through Jesus. And uh, so please don't react. Okay? <laughs> Um, and so that's what part two is going to be about, the spirit of your heart before God. And I'm going to close by giving you the gospel through a portion called Fruitful for Life. Fruitful for Life, okay? So let's get into it, part one. This is the text, verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion, okay? I, that portion last week that I gave in blue, um, that has famously been called the cultural mandate, okay? That is famously called the cultural mandate. We can go to the next slide and see it that way. Um, the cultural mandate, and there's no, nobody can build culture by yourself. <laughs> you know how you build culture? A whole people is needed. And so you can't build culture by yourself but it is very much a we activity. So let's just go back to that. Let me just actually go back to the previous slide. Um, the part that's important, so we, in order for us to get to culture, you have to be fruitful and multiply. That's what we want to talk about today. And um, it's something that when I was um, a child, nobody talked about this. <laughs> nobody preached on it or taught on it because it would have been considered a no-duh message. And, people, and anyone listening to that said, well, why are you talking about this, Pastor? Everybody knows we're supposed to be going out there and having, you know, getting married and having kids. And, uh, and, and that's, that's a really good thing, and our lives should be filled with that. And, and mostly, generally, when people you know, were growing up, that was a, a, an important aim in their life. You, know, you, wanted to get, you wanted to get married, and that means, by the way, someone of the opposite sex. We won't touch that subject today, all right? Um, that, that's coming, okay? Right? Uh, and then you don't just get married so that you like this person and it's about you. And an important way that you show it's not just about you is you want to have children um, because it's going to be more than just about you. Now, um, I want to just talk about this, this, this question. Before I get into this a little bit more, I want to ask this question. You know, that's not how it is in our culture today. And it's not our culture in America is not the only society that basically doesn't care about this anymore. I mean, it's not, this was a completely normal thing that even in, in, in all our Christian, and all my non-Christian neighbors, they all had this attitude. But um, no longer. And around the world today, People don't care about this at all. That's not even an aim in their life. The idea that I'm going to, you know, seek to get married, for instance. How about that? Maybe I'll get married. Maybe. Okay? And, um, and if I get married, maybe, maybe, maybe there'll be children. Maybe one child. Maybe. Okay? It's very considered optional. And I want to just ask this question. What happens to whole worlds 
when people don't want to get married and have children anymore? Hmm? What happens? That would have been absolutely inconceivable about 30 years ago. People would have been like, well, that's an interesting question, but that's like for science fiction. <laughs> um, because that's not real, man. <laughs> but today, it's very much not science fiction. It's very much global reality. And um, do you guys know, so I have been reading um, essays and studies for years on demographics. And there is a, there is a statistic, I just want to put into your seat. Do you know how many children, you know, on average, on average, that is, per woman in a given society that you need just to keep the population stable? Do you know what that number is? Does anybody know what that number is? Right? It's 2.1. <laughs> that's the number. So, I mean, that's just an important statistic. You go into your society, and if you get 2.1, then you're not shrinking. You just, you're not growing. <laughs> you're not growing. 2.1 children per woman, you're not growing, you're, but you're also not shrinking. That's actually quite important. If you want your society to be prosperous, actually, that number needs to be higher than 2.1. <laughs> so I'll just tell you, let me, let me give you another factor. Like, well, why is this relevant? Because, you know, all these Christians, they just want to care about these religious things, but they're not interested you know, and, and things that are really real, real. <laughs> Sometimes people they say, but let me get, tell you something that's very, very real, okay? Do you know that our whole economic, there's an important piece of economic things in the cycle of life. It's called retirement. And there is, you know, a lot of the modern democratized countries, they all use a system of something like this, and guess who they learned it from? They learned it from us in the United States. So in America, when you grow older, you can get something called Social Security and Medicare. Right? And a lot of people think that there's some kind of special fund out there, and you put that money in there, and it's waiting for you. It's waiting for you when you get old. But let me tell you, that's complete nonsense. There's no so fund out there waiting for you. Really what it is, it's the, the money is now set aside. But um, so what happens is, but really, all the money, there's no money waiting for you. You know who's paying into that? All the people who are 65 and older, you are. <laughs> all the able-bodied working people who are younger are paying into that. So really what it is, it's sort of like a triangle. Think of it like as a pyramid. There's a certain percentage of people who are receiving funds because they're no longer working anymore, but they're also aging. They also need more medical care than just about everybody else. You know who's paying for all that? The people on the bottom. So it's like a, tr it's like a pyramid. And you know what? If this thing just starts to shrink <laughs> and the top starts to get bigger, you know where you're going to get to? You're going to get to financial Armageddon. <laughs> Your whole society will just go kaboom, ka kabooey. And do you know what's going on right now in America? Our number is something like 1.8. And when the number drops below 2.1, I mean, in order to just keep growing, like, so as long as the, the bottom of the pyramid just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, in other words, there's more and more young people working and contributing, then the whole society can stay rich and healthy and prosperous, including the old. But when that bottom starts to shrink, we're in big trouble. So already in America, we're at 1.8. And other countries are in 
much worse shape than that. And I'll, let me just be kind of mean about this. When the people on top receive the money from a whole bunch of people who do the work on the bottom, the people on the bottom expect to receive the money because there's a social contract that when they get up to the top, when they're, they will receive benefits, right? That's how it works. But what if you have a system where the people on top receive benefits, but the people on the bottom, when it gets to their turn, they will receive nothing? <laughs> you know what that's called? There's actually a word for it. It's called the pyramid scheme. It's illegal, totally illegal, because that means the people on top are ripping off the people on the bottom. Our whole government is working like that. The whole society is built on an unethical, illegal pyramid scheme. That's actually a fact. It's a fact of how it works in America right now. It's actually like that in other countries, and they're in even worse shape. So let me, so this question I'm telling you, it's real, but some countries are already, like, they're further along because their number is much worse than 1.8. So um, I read an article from, um, you know, a column from the Washington Examiner, a guy named Tim Carney, and he follows this kind of stuff. And, uh, and he said something just quite shocking. He's talking about Japan. The, the Japanese number is like way lower than 1.8. So he asked this question, what happens to a society when over decades, people don't want to have babies? Decades. So he cites this uh, Japanese, I think he's Japanese-American, but I'm not sure. His name is Yusuke Narita. I'm, I'm sure I'm butchering his name. But you know what he is? He's a professor of economics at Yale. So he's a big shot. This big shot makes people think it's a joke. But he makes jokes about the only way for Japan to solve their problem is for there to be mass suicide by the elderly. People think he's joking. There are dystopic movies in Japan where um, they depict children taking their parents up to a mountain and it's really cold up there, and then abandoning them. <laughs> because the percentage of the elderly in Japan is something close to 30%. And so Japan is just maxed out in debt, absolutely in crazy amounts of debt. And so in the discourse of their culture, they basically talk about killing old people. <laughs> because all the people who are working feel like, hey, they're just a burden. And there's not enough of us because that generation didn't have babies. And then Tim Carney, at the end of this article, you know what he says? I mean, he's, not, he's being a little snarky, but he's also quite serious. He says, we should learn something from the Japanese because, and have babies. That's the way he starts. Now, that was a bit of a punch-in-the-head way to start this message. That's where we're at, guys. So here is this word, be fruitful and multiply. And I want to start there and kind of scare you. If it doesn't scare you, it should. It should. Maybe by the time you want to receive Social Security, maybe 
the people 20 years younger than you wish you were dead. <laughs> that's, that's not a fun society. That's a very terrible society. And so we're going there. Japan is already kind of there. Korea is there. Um, when we were in Korea this summer, um, I was hanging out. We were hanging out with one of Grace's cousins. They're godly people. The husband, I was hanging out with, you know, her, it's the, her cousin's the, the, the wife. I was, you know, hanging out with her, um, her husband. And, you know, they have five kids. <laughs> they have five kids. In Korea, the, that number, births per woman, right now, is 0.81. <laughs> it's the bottom, bottom of the world. That's like a statistic where you don't want to be at the bottom, but they're basically at the bottom. And when we're hanging out, having coffee, I asked him this question. I said, do people look at you weird because you walk in and you got five kids? He said, it happens all the time. <laughs> they actually are looked down upon in that society for having kids. <laughs> and um, you know what? We're really close. Our city is not that different. <laughs> so. Here, let me just, let's just quickly go back to what I taught you last week. We are called to be partners with God. And so let's go to Genesis 2.15. Let's turn that next slide. The Lord God, Yahweh, took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And I taught you last week that we are here to have dominion and as partners with God, we are here to garden. <laughs> and last week we talked about gardening as a piece of work because what a garden is, is not just a jungle. It is a special piece of creation where God and human beings are in partnership. There is, a po there is something beautiful from God, but there's a potentiality from to take what's there and make it good, better than good, very good, better than very good, let's make it beautiful, and then beautiful, and it starts to show you something of God's beauty, God's glory. And that's what a garden is. It's not, it's like, it just looks like a bunch of dirt and we put some seeds in the ground, right? At the beginning, it doesn't look like much. But then it's supposed to sprout fruit, which is unto the glory of God. And you know who, who, who's called to do that? Us. <laughs> That's what God said. And here's the part. Last week, you know, I, I gave you different gar gardens of music, you know, uh, to take chaos to order. And so then I give you a different vision for how you can think about not just a career, but a vocation. And this is the way to be truly human in the image of God, from God, for God, how we make the creation to be filled with his glory. So that's, what is the goal? Here we go. Let's go to the next verse. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of Yahweh, of the Lord, as the waters covers the sea. Genesis chapters 128 to this, that's what God wanted. And the whole creation will be as a garden, and we are here to make God's glory known. But today, let me tell you, more than music, more than whatever industry that you do your work in, maybe the most important garden that you work is your children and your family. It's kind of strange to think of it that way, right? But think about it. At the beginning, you had a cell, 
that meets another cell. You, and then there's conception. And then there's a growing life in a woman. And it's like a seed in the ground, and it doesn't look like much. It so doesn't look like much, our culture thinks you could kill it. <laughs> and so that's what's going on. But what starts there, it's not unlike a seed in a garden. And it's a life. Who your child is at two years old is not what your child is going to be when you're six, 16, 26, 36. And here's where I want to start. Right now in America, a lot of people, if you want to have children, this is the attitude that I just hear again and again from people. People, if they want to have a child, you know who they want to have a child for? For themselves. <laughs> the child is for me. <laughs> it's because I want this child. Because this child will make me happy. And then they put all their, their ideologies and their, their agendas on this child. So if your child is, if you think what's great about your child is because you, you love music, you're going to you know, want them to turn to a great musician. You know, for me, it, it turned out to be baseball, by the way. <laughs> right? Um, and so I put pressure on my son to play some ball. But then I repented, and he didn't want to play ball. OK? <laughs> and, but we often think about even having children. First, we want to have, even get married for my self-fulfillment. And then we want to have children for my self-fulfillment. Sometimes you may even argue you're dating some, you know, let's say you're a guy, you're dating you know, a woman, you, you fall in love, you want to marry her. And then she wants to have two, you want to have none. Because <laughs> your self-fulfillment is to sit around and watch TV <laughs> and go on vacation all the time or play video games or something. So you compromise and have one. But notice it's still about me. It's not God's garden. And you are not being a steward of God's glory of something tremendously precious. Every nation, let me say this to you right now. If a nation doesn't take care of the most important capital, it will die. And you know the most important capital of a nation is? It's not, it's money. It's not money. It's not natural resources. Do you know that Japan is an unbelievable country? They don't actually have much natural resources. But they became one of the richest, most amazing nations on this earth because you know what they have? They have human capital. They unleashed their people. That's how they became an amazing people. But now they're dying. They're literally dying out because there is no cultural mandate from God. There's no God. Marriage and my future, it's about me. And too many people in Japan and in Korea and in America, there is no Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, and there is no God of a beautiful garden anymore. Life is not in a garden. It's just about me. So, Think about your children and think about this verse. The earth will be filled with the knowing. God, your children will help people know the glory of the Lord. And we will cover the earth 
as the waters covers the sea. That's what your children were born for. <laughs> and, when you're, and if you want to become a parent, or if you are a parent, that's your purpose. <laughs> this is your purpose. It's not just, oh, my kids are cute, therefore I'm happy. And so I don't mean to be mean, but if that's why you like your kids, let me tell you something. You're singing against God. Actually, you're singing against your child because it's an insult to your child. You're cute. That's why I like you. That's why everybody likes you, because you're cute. So keep acting cute. You're shifting your child into something small and something useful to you and the world not to do that. You're, the potentiality of the glory of the garden of your child is so tremendous. And we must seek that. Now, let me say, there's a couple more things before we go to part two. Um, there was this thing that just was completely normal in life, which I'm going to call God's good narrative arc of life, okay? It was from God. And most societies, because we were created, before we became arrogant and we thought we had science and we had technology, now we control all things, and now we'll just, like, we don't need God, we'll just promote ourselves to God because we don't need God because we have science and technology and now we can control things. Most normal societies, if they weren't utterly terrible and wicked, they had this arc. And so let's just go. It goes like this. Boy meets girl. <laughs> so until you were about 10 years old, you didn't care. <laughs> the girls were usually more advanced. When I was in kindergarten, I could care less for the girls in class. But the girls in class wanted me to play house with them. And every now and then, if the girl was pretty, I would humor her. <laughs> OK? All right. Uh, I, I, was in an, I was in an all-black school. So like, you know, like all the kids were black, actually, except for me and like one other white kid. But I didn't really care about the girls. I only cared about the other cool dudes who wanted to play Superman and kickball. OK, that's really what I was interested in. But the pretty girl came to me and said, would you play house? Come on. So boy meets girl. But I'm not interested until 10 years old. And then all of a sudden, there was this girl. And I just wanted to stare at her all the time. <laughs> and now it matters. Okay? And you know what that's from? That's, here we go. It's from God. It's from God. Because God put that in you so that you would be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with his glory. That's where it's from. I told you we're, we're preaching this message, this series, because there's no consciousness of God and that we are created and thus we don't have the goodness and the wisdom of God in us. We just completely, we, we're not created, we're just accidents. Magical word, evolution, we don't need God. Boom, now we can just run our own life and we can eliminate God and we can decide everything. Right? Wrong, because there's consequences, such as financial Armageddon and then maybe sometime 20 years from now, when I'm 65, the 35-year-olds will want me dead. <laughs> okay? So boy meets girl is the beginning of the narrative arc, and then it goes to fall in love. Sometimes that doesn't work out. You fall in love, and she doesn't love you back, okay? 
called Unrequited Love. Koreans, in the K-dramas, they call it Jaksharan. It's like one-way love. It sucks. Okay? Right? But, hey, it's still part of God's goodness. Because then, maybe, you can get to dating and courtship. If you're not in Johan's class, you should go. Okay? <laughs> go to Johan's class on Song of Solomon and learn God's way. Just, I'll just say a little comment about this. Dating is not all about you. Okay? And by the way, if you just hang out with a girl, oh, we're just going to just hang out. If you start to like her, so just a little piece of old school advice, and old school advice goes back to the Bible here. If you're a real man, you should ask her on a date. <laughs> and that means you should pay. <laughs> and that means you should open the door and pull out the chair and compliment her on her hair, okay? And if she goes, I don't need any of that stuff, then, then go, go, some, go to somebody else, <laughs> all right? And then, if this goes anywhere, it should be unto courting, which is Genesis chapter 128, because where courting is, can we maybe get to marriage? Let's see if that's where we're going to go. And then marriage should lead to, well, you should have kids. And then I'll just say one more. You should have kids not just to have kids for you, so that when they grow up, they'll want to have kids. <laughs> so just, let's just go through the whole, in the wisdom of God, we don't just raise our children to give them the word of God. You know who the target audience is? It actually says it straight up in, Deuter in, in, the, in the book of Deuteronomy. Tell your children and your children's children. So you're not just raising your children. You want them to grow up so that they would long for Genesis 1.28. And if you beat your children, abuse your children, drive them completely bananas so they hate your guts, so they don't want to have children, or, you know, you have such a terrible marriage, they're going, I don't want to get married. This is what marriage is like? No way. Then this breaks. So um, I'm going to just say a little something in part two. I just, just wanted to, some of you are probably going like, hey, I, don't, I can't have children. I haven't gotten married. And I, I know some of you, this is really making you antsy. But just, just time out here, okay? I'm going, to, I'm going to address that in a little bit. But this is God's plan for most of you. When I say most of you, I don't mean 50% of you or 60% of you. You know, God's plan for most of you, we're talking like 90% of you. 90% of you, this should be your life art. You should, like, this is where I'm going. And you should look at that art and go, what's the next step? And then what's two steps from now? Let's prepare myself now. How will you get to grandchildren? It matters very much how you treat your children when they're two and seven and 12 before they leave the house. Hmm? Let me tell you one more thing before I get to part two. I want to give you a concept um, that I heard very recently. Literally, it was today. Okay, uh, I didn't know I was going to use this because I was going to use this other illustration, but I thought, oh, this is better. Let's, we'll put this in the sermon. I heard a concept today called social fitness. So some of you are going, Man, pastor, come on. Having children is hard. 
First of all, just finding a wife is hard. Getting married, oh man, that's hard. <laughs> and having children, that's expensive. It requires sacrifice. It requires hard work. It, it absolutely will. When God told you to do this, it's not because he's going, let me just put pressure on you and make you do a bunch of hard stuff just because I like making you do hard stuff. <laughs> Genesis chapter 1, 28. You know, at the, you get to the bottom of the chapter, you know what God said? It's very good. <laughs> you know, the very goodness of God includes this, be fruitful and multiply. And I want to give you a little piece of secular, even secular wis wisdom folks have started to figure this out. So who are these people here? Robert Waldinger and Mark Schultz, they are hotshot professors. They are Harvard professors. And they are, they are in charge of this longitudinal study. You guys understand longitudinal is a long, long time, which started in 1938. In 1938, they took a bunch of guys that were like a graduating class from Harvard. So, you know, it's a, it's a sizable sample size. And then they took a bunch of people who came from poor, broken backgrounds in the poor side of Boston. And then they followed them for all of their life. That's what they did. Incredible. So the sample size is amazing. And they're studying. And you know what they're studying? They're just looking for happiness. So I listened to a podcast today where they were talking. And that was the first question. How do you get happy? You guys know all this incredible stuff. You study this 85 years of incredible data and evidence. And uh, I forget which one of the professors, they said, well, we have this term that we're trying to coin. I don't know if it'll gain traction in the culture. They call it social fitness. And you know what social fitness means? I'll tell you what it means. It means you love people and they love you. <laughs> That's what it means. Socially, Socially, with other people, you fit. And inside of that, your life thrives. And when I was listening to this, you know, because I knew I was going to preach this in a little bit, I'm going, this is, how do you get to social fitness? One of the best ways you'll ever get there is by having children <laughs> and being committed to being a father and a mother, a good father and a mother, God's way. So let me tell you a little secret if you don't have children. It's God's natural way, his created way for people. I mean, I'm not talking about if you're broken or strange or, you know, you're like twisted in your head or you're psychotic. I'm just talking if you're just a normal human being. You'll have children and then you'll experience this thing that you probably never really did in your whole life, which is you'll have unconditional love for somebody. <laughs> and you'll do things for your little ones that are hard. <laughs> that from a selfish, self-centered point of view is actually stupid. <laughs> Thousands of dollars for piano lessons. Are they gonna, are they gonna uh, become concert pianists and make a lot of money? No. But my wife and I, and we don't make a lot of money, thousands of dollars of piano lessons, just, just one example among many, okay? One of my pastor friends asked me, he's like, so what do you want out of this? Why are you doing spending thousands of dollars, driving back and forth, riding your kids, you better practice, <laughs> all that stuff. He's like, this is because you want them to have this, some, some grand, uh, you know, like thing to come out? And I just went, no, it's pure gift. 
the glory of God in music that they will know. And then they can give. That was it. <laughs> Thousands of dollars. <laughs> and sometimes some really annoying nagging <laughs> and whining, whining. <laughs> hey, you might garden. Get in there and practice. <laughs> it's, it's gardening, okay? That's my gardening anyway. Ho hopefully you're better than me, okay? And, but if you'll do that, you'll gain this crazy happiness when they love you back. If you want to get really happy in life, you must learn to work hard and sacrifice and commit and social fit. And this is God's way. <laughs> and people who do this, they get happy. <laughs> you know, this, this isn't the only way to do it, having children. But man, it's right there at the top of the list. It's a very profound way to do it. Let's go to part two. I said a lot already, and so um, let me just say this. In general, God wants you to follow that pathway. I said 90% of you. So, but some of you are thinking this. What if I don't get married, Pastor? I'm single. I don't have any prospects. And apparently, I'm not good at this dating courtship thing, right? Um, and don't give me, I don't have any advice because, like, I don't know, people date through an app. What, okay, that's crazy talk to me, dating through an app, okay? But if it works, I, I'm, I'm for it, okay? But um, maybe you're in that bucket. Or what if you don't even want to get married? So over the years, Christians have realized there are some people that are special. They don't feel lonely. They don't feel need to get married. And you know what? We call it a gift. People who have seen that, they know it's a gift. It's a gift. It really is a gift. So right away, if you don't feel need to get married, that's a gift from God. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> okay? So... I'm just starting off here, right, because sometimes you say something like this, people in the room, they sit down, they get really, really antsy, and then they go, oh, the pastor thinks I'm bad because I don't have kids. <laughs> oh, I can't go to this church because we only got one kid, and I don't really want a second. <laughs> so I'm not going to say that out loud because the pastor just said that we should have children. <laughs> and that doesn't seem like multiplying, does it? Right. Did I say that you're bad? Did I say that? I did not say that. But this is how human beings are. You give them a pathway, which is the huge, gigantic bell curve. And something about our culture today, everybody doesn't want to be in the good, normal pathway that God gives to everybody. You kind of want to be this special, crazy, like if this is the graph, you want to be some outlier person out here. I'm super special. I'm unique. And I get to choose that by myself instead of thinking, maybe it would be really good for you if you don't try to be unique. <laughs> that you're just right in the middle of the bell curve. That'd be great. Because God wants to bless everybody in the bell curve. But here's one of the things I just want to say to you. Like, if you, let's say you get married, 
and you couldn't have children. And that's a really painful thing. Does that mean you're bad? I did not say that. So I want to just be really clear of this. I am not condemning you. There's no condemnation in this room. <laughs> there is therefore now no condemnation because we are in Christ Jesus. This room is in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. Please hear me. There's actually only love. <laughs> I hope you really believe me. I love you. I teach you these things from God because he loves you. Because we, your pastors, your elders, we love you. <laughs> There's no condemnation. Okay? And I've, I've, I've pastored people who wish they could have children but then could not. Obviously, God has to give you children. <laughs> and then I've also pastored people who just decided, we're not going to have kids. We don't want it. Years ago, I read an essay by C.S. Lewis, and I really thought hard about what he said. He said, if you get married and you decide, no kids, there's something wrong with you. That's what he said. And I thought long and hard about that because I'm an American. We have choice. I also know that you can be single. You cannot have children. So how do you know that? Well, there's a person named Jesus. He never got married. He never had any biological. I mean, he had a lot of spiritual children. He never had any biological children. One of the great heroes in the Bible is Paul. Never got married. But what is God's creational intent? Is God will bless you this way. <laughs> and here's what I want to say. God is not a God of... He, I don't think God, when, he's, when we're talking about good things in life, he's not an either-or type of God. You can have this goodness, you know, or, or, but if you don't do it, or, then you're bad. Either this or, or you're bad. When God gives goodness, he tends to be a both-and God. You know, you can get married and have children, and of course that's good. You can get married and maybe not have children or only one child, though you may wish you had more. It can still, God makes it good. And maybe you can even be single and not have children. God is a both and God. <laughs> children, or not to have children, the goodness and grace of God can fill you all up. <laughs> and here's what I want to say to you today. This is the question, and this is really what I want, to, I want you to think about before I go to the final portion of my message. The question isn't exactly whether you have children or don't have children. So especially, please, please do not come out of this message and go, well, we got three kids and they got one. Ha! <laughs> or, I'm going to have five kids and they're going to have none, so I'm on the superior side and they're on the bad side. <laughs> okay. You know, if you think like that, you're a legalist. You do not think according to in Christ. Don't condemnation in Christ. You are not of grace. You are of legalism. That's Phariseeism. And that's not what we proclaim in our church. But it matters what you believe. Who you are before God is who you are. You are before God and you are loved and you are cherished by God through Jesus Christ. You know that. But somehow, it didn't work out for you. 
and you didn't get married, or you got married and we couldn't have children, and it's painful to you. So you go out into the world, and maybe you're embarrassed by that or you're hurt by that. But here's what I want to say to you. Who you are before God is who you are, not before man. Please do not worry about what they think. Who you are before God is who you are. What's important is what spirit is in your heart. If you are single, can you say, I'm going to give all my singleness unto the cultural mandate? And do you know you could be a father or a mother even though you don't have any biological children? We talk about it in this church on a regular basis. It's one of our values that we are a counter-cultural, gospel-centered family. Just because you're single doesn't mean you're not in the family. <laughs> if you're in the family, you can have spiritual children. You could be a spiritual aunt and uncle. And Paul had many spiritual children. Jesus had many spiritual children. Do you have faith that that's your purpose? Or is it, I'm bitter because I didn't meet the person I liked. Nobody liked me enough. So I don't like the opposite sex. And I'm just going to live life for myself and just be comfortable with the things I like. Is that your spirit? Hmm. See, the question on the outside is you have children or you don't have children. Externally, people may size you up. But that's not the important question. Hmm. The important question is what spirit is in your heart? Hmm. And who are you before God? Would you give your life and say, Genesis 1.28, give it to me, Lord. And if you don't give me children, I'm still going to be a father. <laughs> and in fact, I want to be a great father. And I want my children, who are my spiritual children, to have many grandchildren <laughs> and fill the earth with your glory. That's, your, that's yours too. And for moms and dads out there, I don't want to be pushy on this. We need, in our culture, I just, I want to say this very gently. If you enter into your marriage, you're going, we're going to have one kid, and that's it. Oh, we're going to have two kids, and that's it, because it's too expensive. I want to challenge you. Maybe whatever that number you think it is, maybe you should add another plus one, or maybe plus two. Because if you decide to go in that way, it's not all up to you. <laughs> when you honor God, he honors you. And the raising of your children unto the glory of God is not all about money. <laughs> it's about whether they have God's glory in them. And you don't need a lot of money to give them God's glory. Yes? Maybe that's something you could think about. I said, I say that gently. <laughs> There'll be no condemnation, okay? Let me close by talking about fruitful for life. And I want to just give you this meditation. What is fruit? The Bible doesn't say, have a lot of kids. I mean, it, it actually kind of does say that and multiply. At its most literal level, it says, multiply. <laughs> that, I mean, it's not hard to understand. It means have kids. But before he says that, God commands, be fruitful. <laughs> So what is fruit? You have a tree, 
And let's just say it's an apple tree. I've got an apple, we've got an apple tree in our backyard. You know how I know it has life in it? It has apples. <laughs> it grows apples. When fruit comes forth out of the garden, we're pretty bad gardeners, quite frankly. That thing just grows. God is a great gardener, and we're not a great partner to God. But apple fruit just grows off that tree. And when the fruit comes, you know it has life. But let me tell you something else. What, if you really think about what fruit is, fruit is the life that comes from the tree, which then gives more life. That's what fruit is. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Have something come out of your life, which gives life. Lots of it. Hmm. Having children is one important way to do it, but it's not the only way. And I know that many of you are nervous about having kids. You're scared. But I want to close by not, I gave you a fear factor. <laughs> you know, the 35-year-olds will want you dead. Okay, start off the sermon by giving you fear and shame. But we're a gospel preaching church here, okay? Let's close with grace. We want to give you something of Christ to motivate you to say, let's be fruitful. And I want to close with this. In this garden, there was a garden. When God made a garden, he put two important trees in the garden. One was a tree of life. And if they ate of the fruit of the tree of life, they would never die. Talk about a fruit. <laughs> you eat this fruit, and it gives you life such as you will never die. That's the fruit. But then there's another tree, which is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you eat of that tree, you basically say, God, let me give you the middle finger. And we will decide good and evil, and we don't need you. <laughs> and human beings, we like that tree. That happened in the ancient world, but that's a tree we like to eat from all the time today. So, an example would be, I like kids because they're really cute. And kids are really expensive. And then we'll have one child because it'll make me happy. And we can afford all of it. All that money will go that way. Okay? But then I'll be Lord of my life. And I'll be Lord of our happiness. And our child will be under my lordship. That's eating of the bad tree. Okay? We need to eat of the other tree. But when human beings ate of the bad tree, of this tree, and chose wickedness, and erased God, God says, you don't get this tree anymore. So since that tree is gone, you know what we do? We take everything else, that's good, and we try to turn it into that tree. Career. Yeah, if I get the fruit off this thing, I'll make a lot of money, and then I will have life. You eat and eat and eat, and then you try to get your kids to eat, 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 but it doesn't give them life. It doesn't give you life. We eat and turn this tree that we think is the tree of life, but actually 
It's a tree of false life. It's a tree of idolatry, and it leads to death. Let me close this message this way. The book, the Bible starts with Genesis 1, but this is the way it closes, okay? Chapter 22, verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. So there's a city now, right? And I told you, it starts with a garden, we build a city, and a Nowadays, we just build wicked cities, unjust cities. But there will be a city with the river of life. Also, on either side of the river, there is the tree of life. Hmm. It's interesting. It says there's 12 kinds of fruit. I don't think there's only 12 fruits. You know, 12, the number 12 in the book of Revelations means the number of total completeness. Every kind of fruit that will give us life, that will give us life of everlasting life. Yielding its fruit each month. You know what I think that means? You get to eat it all the time. You ever get tired of certain fruits? Apparently next month in the city of God, there will be a different fruit that will give you life. Can you imagine? And it will be by grace and free. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. I long for the day when Japan will eat of the tree of life. I long for the day when the wicked city of San Jose will eat from the tree of life and will be healed. No longer will there be anything accursed because that's what it is. We take something that's good, it's not really the tree of life, and we think it's going to give us life, but it's cursed. But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and servants will worship Him. So, here's our close. Many of you, you don't know this, but there is a tree and the tree has already been planted. The tree of life. It's called the cross. God became man in the image of God so that he would fill the earth with the glory of God. And the way he planted that tree was to be nailed to it so that all the wicked ways that we make life, the way we want to do family and marriage and, and the way we want to do image of man, not image of God, that be washed away by his blood. And what will remain is the fruit from him, which the Bible calls the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And you and I will eat love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control forever and ever. And the glory of God will be on the earth as the waters cover the sea. Eat of the tree of life, the cross of Christ. And God will give you every power and every wisdom and every way for you to date, 
get married, heal your marriage when you start messing it up because that's inevitable too. <laughs> heal your parenting when you start messing it up. The tree of life will heal your parenting. will give you children and heal your children so they will have grandchildren who will cover the earth with the glory of God. Let's pray. Lord, we're going to go to your table. Of this bread and drink this wine. This is the four, this is the first fruits. It is your down payment. It is the promise that the cross is the tree of life. And if we will eat of what you have given us, the tree that only you could have planted. There is no nation, there's no people, there's no opposition. Even the gates of hell cannot prevail against your people as they eat of the cross of Christ. So today, as we go to and eat this very most important food, would you place the glory of God in Jesus Christ in us? And may we throw away the wicked image of man that we think and our lordship and our wisdom so that we could one day restore here in our city what it means to be fruitful and to multiply and to have beautiful children and beautiful families once again. In Jesus' name.